is for those who put their faith in Christ's death and resurrection. Our sin and shame has been removed, and you remember it no more. And we're so thankful, Lord. Thank you, because we are sinners saved by grace through faith alone in Jesus Christ. It's not my works. It's not our works. It's faith. Faith that tells you in your spirit that Christ is risen. And here we are, 2,000 years later, and we all know it. The world has been changed and turned upside down because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, today I pray the earth shakes as the Spirit moves through the world that believers will know that you are alive and well. Lord, today we want to hear from you in this congregation. We want to hear what you have to say to each and every one of us, individually, personally, and your Holy Spirit is certainly able to do that. So we know you're here, Lord, but we want to invite you with a special invitation that you're welcome here. You're welcome in our hearts. You're welcome in our lives. You're welcome in our homes. And everything we do, you are welcome. Today, let your glory be seen in this service. Not for our glory, but for yours. And may it rise as a sweet-smelling aroma before your throne. And may you receive glory. Glory that only you deserve. Father, we repent of our sin. We turn away from it and go in your direction. Thank you, Father, for your mercy and your grace. Thank you for removing our sins as far as the east is from the west, for throwing it in the sea of forgetfulness and redeeming our lives. Thank you. May the world know it. May your Holy Spirit move throughout this world today. And even though they're not in a church service, Lord, that they would feel in their spirit, they would see in the skies and the earth that you created, that you are certainly Lord. Father, we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen and amen. You may be seated, church. Before we go on, you know, I want to invite every, every, everybody online. We're welcoming you. You're listening to Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. I know a group of people, you know, sign in, you know, without the worship part. So um, uh, we want to welcome you here. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. This is Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches, and we're, we're glad you're here today. If you're local, we're at 2810 High Paluxo Road in Lantana, Florida. And that's just a quarter mile west of I-95 on the north side of the road. So if you're local, come on by. We're here every Sunday at 10. We're here every Saturday at 9 a.m. as a men's Bible study, which is awesome. We have uh, people getting saved there, people getting baptized that got saved there. We got things happening, men from different churches, even a pastor from a different church comes here, and uh, we just have a great time. And it's not a big group. Sounds like it is. Several churches are represented. It's usually about 
six to 12 maybe, you know, but where these guys are, are um, fired up, let's put it that way. So praise God. Come on by if you're local, man, 2810 High Biloxo Road in Lantana, Florida, okay? For if you're on our website, uh, we're, you know, you can tune in every Sunday at 10 a.m. Listen, um, we're glad you're here. I want everybody online, you know, here to go get yourself a piece of bread and uh, some juice, and we're going to have take communion together, and you certainly are welcome. Um, you know, since you're on our website, you can go to our beliefs, find out what we believe in. I'm going to tell you right now, it's all about Jesus here and the Holy Spirit's power. And uh, I tell everybody, God the Father initiated, administrated a plan to save mankind. Jesus came, and he became the revelation of the Father, and he did what it take, took that we might go to heaven. And then the Holy Spirit today, he's the operation in the world today. Jesus is in heaven interceding for you. It's the Holy Spirit that came into your heart, which is the spirit of Jesus. So each one of us have that, and that's why we know that the Lord's here. People say, where two or three are gathered in my name, there he is in the midst. I have to say this to you. If you're just there, there he is in the midst. Because he's there one-on-one, -on -one, he's there two-on-two, -two, and he's there three-on-three, -three, and three billion and three, he's there. You know, It's about Jesus here. Read our beliefs. Find out our address. You can see our ministries. You can watch past, uh, past services from years back, and you can uh, go to the Give Lifey button and give to this church if you should uh, see fit. So... Um, Guys, you can pass out the elements. I'm going to go to Jeremiah chapter 31 um, and verse 31. Listen, easy verse to remember, Jeremiah 31, 31. Jeremiah is telling us that there's going to be a new covenant coming. And Jesus is instituting the new covenant at the Last Supper. Here's verse 31 of Jeremiah 31. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in that day, that I took them by the hand and led them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days says the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. For every man will teach his neighbor, and every man his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall know all know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquities, and their sins I will remember no more. Praise God. For those of you that put your faith in Jesus Christ, your sins are no longer remembered and are washed away, thrown into the sea of forgetfulness. You know, they just disappear. God forgets them. So praise God, blessed Savior Jesus. You know, so Jesus came on the scene in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 26. Listen, we just, we just went through Jeremiah 31, 31 the new covenant. We go to Matthew 26, 26, easy verses to remember. Their, their uh, address, 26, 26, and here's Jesus talking, instituting the new covenant. 
And as they were eating, Jesus took the, the bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to his disciples and said, Eat and take, this is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is the, my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and, and for the remission of sins. But I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they all sang a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. The new covenant was promised, and we, blessed as we are, have lived in the new covenant. We didn't have to sacrifice a bull or a goat or give a pigeon. We don't have to see that messy blood all over everybody. And we know that Jesus shed his blood once for all, the just for the unjust, in order to bring you to God. And if you remember him and you believe in your heart, you are welcome to sit down at the table of the Lord. So for those of you that put your faith in Christ, that you're saved by grace through faith and not of yourselves, this broken body, this cracker, that it represents a broken body of blood of the Son of God, for the, for the healing of your physical body, your emotional body, your spirit, your soul, your flesh. Let's partake together. This is a promise. God promised it, and here it is today. Jesus instituted, and here we celebrate. Let's partake, remembering the Lord's death. And thank you, Lord, for forgiving our sins by our faith in you. And supper went on. He took the cup. And he said, this is a symbol of my blood. Take it and drink it, all of you, that your sins might be wiped out and forgiven. For those, again, who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you are not saved by your good works. You are saved by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And this blood at Calvary was shed for you. Let's partake if you believe in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the new covenant. We praise your holy name. We don't have to pay the penalty for our sins. It's been already paid for and for, for we're going to save you pray we're going to praise you all of eternity for it so in jesus name amen listen um i told the congregation you know if you need to talk to me just go to joe at freedomchurchpb.org that's my text messaging uh that's my email i'm sorry joe at freedomchurchpb.org you can always text me or call me at my phone number, 561-601-1130, 601-1130. If you have our business card, that phone on number on the business card is actually the church number, but it, it's forwarded right to my cell phone. So you can call that number, too, that's on the card. Listen, I forgot to mention earlier, and I didn't want to do it in this setting after we did communion, but we're going to have a meeting after church, a congregational meeting, so please stick around, okay? It's very important. We're going to tell you some things that are, that are going on. A lot of you probably are questioning 
even now. So, um, so that's about it. I did to do that right there, but I left it out earlier. So stick around, church. I'm going to invite Pastor Brett up here, and uh, he's going to, you know, uh, be teaching again today. Okay. Again, we're going to pray for Brett. Okay, we prayed for him in the room, us uh, deacons and myself. But if you want to pr- hold out your arms and hands. and Father, today we've just come to you in Jesus' name. We want to hear what you have to say. We don't want to look at Brett. We want to look through him to you as he presents the precious word of God. As he preaches the gospel, Lord God, we want you to, to speak to our hearts, our minds, our souls. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Good morning, Freedom Church. Good morning. How are you guys today? It's my always amen. How are you guys doing online? We just want to greet you in the mighty name of Jesus, our Lord, our Savior. I know uh, many things are going on in the world, maybe in your lives, so we pray this is always a special time with the Lord in His Word. We pray this will be an encouragement to you, a blessing. And uh, I'm kind of continuing my message from last week, which is uh, we had a started a little little journey. We called it the heart of God, the bosom of the Father. If you didn't get a chance to uh, listen to that, I just pray that you would go online maybe and watch that sermon. I know a bunch of people watched it online and it was really good. And there we go. My brother here is helping me out. Thank you, man. appreciate that. I'm not that good with all the gear, you know. I'm more of a, if you guys know me personally, for those who are online watching, maybe don't know me, I'm more of a street preacher. You know, give me a street corner to preach on and a bucket. I'll, that's my thing. So the whole pulpit and suit and earpiece, it's all, it's all relevant to the times. We've got to use these things. But anyhow, if you weren't here last week or you didn't get a chance to listen, Again, I just want you to go ahead online, and I know a few people that watched it, and they said it was really uh, touched them, it was really encouraging to them, and so I just encourage you to go ahead and, and listen to that, and then you'll kind of catch up to speed, but today we're going to continue this journey. Um, before we get into the Word, I always want to kind of give a, give a little intro or some type of a preparation and again, like I said last week, you know, this is something that's such a holy, holy thing. It's such a holy ground to go in, I would say, to the heart of the Father or to seek the heart of God or to know the heart of God. And we, we really dug into it. So I'm just going to kind of summarize last week a little bit. And we're going we're gonna to dig deeper today. Amen. You guys excited about that? You guys want to dig deeper into the heart of God? Hallelujah. So, you know, last week, again, we just went into what we we call, the Bible calls in John chapter 1, verse 18, it's called the bosom of the Father. So the Apostle John wrote that, not me. If you think it's strange terminology, you know, ask him in heaven why he used that. But we know God is not, he doesn't have a bosom or a belly. He's not a man or a woman. He's spirit. God the Father is spirit. He's a spiritual being, but he has Uh, He doesn't have a physical heart either. He doesn't have a heart pumping in his chest with blood flowing out of it. He's a spirit, 
But what does that term mean? It actually means the core or the central essence of who God is, his nature, his his heart. Okay, what does he feel? He does have emotions, okay? Even though we have a heart in our body, that's not what makes us human. What makes us have feelings and emotions and all these types of experiences is because we have a soul. We have a soul and we have a spirit inside of these bodies that make us that make us very uh, uh, in tuned, you know, that make us have emotions and thoughts. And that's why God created us in his image with these things. So, yeah, I'm getting the static here. Pull it out. Is that better? How's this? Still? Here, I'll go down. Let's see if that works. A little better? All right, great. So, God gave us a soul. God gave us a spirit. And that is what gives us these thoughts, these emotions, these feelings, if you will, that we can connect to him. We can feel like what he feels. And so the spirit of God, we talked about this from Genesis chapter one, the spirit of God and the son, Jesus Christ, who was called the word of God. They were always with God in the beginning, the the father, the son and the Holy Spirit. We call this the Holy Trinity. And. These three persons comprise one God. These three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Jesus, it says, we asked this question last week, where did Jesus come from? And we we answered the question, Jesus came not just from heaven. He didn't just come from God. He came from the bosom of the Father. He came from the Father himself. So this is the, the nature. And when you know where a person comes from, we talked about their identity. You know their identity. And you see, that that proves to us that the identity of Jesus is deity, right? That Jesus is God. That Jesus is not just a man or just a prophet sent from God, but he was God in flesh. He is one with God the Father, and he came to represent God the Father and to show show us who God the Father is. And he, Jesus Christ, on earth, Jesus Christ as a man was the perfect visible image of the invisible God. That's what it says in Colossians, right? Anyone read Colossians in this in this place here today? Anybody read the book of Colossians? So it says he's the image of the invisible God. And he in him the fullness of the Godhead dwells, okay? So in Christ dwells all of God. He is God, he was with God in the beginning, but he was God and he became flesh and he became a man to display to show us to reveal to us the father everything he said right if you read the gospels he said everything I say it's not me who says it it's my father's words right he said everything I do I don't do my own will I didn't come to do my own works he said I came to do the will of my father everything they they questioned him where do you get your authority what testimony do you have? What miracle can you do? And he always pointed back to his father, right? And he said, even if I testify of myself, my testimony is true. But there's one who's greater, whose testimony. And he always pointed back to his father. In the end of his life, we talked about this in John 14. At the end of his life, uh, when Jesus was about to be crucified, he had this last supper, this meeting with his disciples. And he gathered with them, and he began to remind them who he is and where he's going. 
and how he's going back to the father from where he came he's going back to the the abode the the bosom of the father and he told them john 14 1 you believe in god the father so believe also in me and don't let your hearts be troubled and he says i'm going away now to prepare a place for you that where i am you may also be and so the whole the whole kind of culmination or the the conclusion of the whole sermon was that Jesus came from heaven, from the Father to earth to take us to be where he came from. He, t- he came down to earth to take us back, sinners who are separated from God, to take us and bring us back into reconciliation and relationship with God the Father. That was his ultimate mission. Everything he did, every detail of his ministry, Every part of the cross and the suffering and the crucifixion and his sacrifice, everything he did was to bring us back to the Father, to give us back the relationship that was lost because of sin, to sacrifice himself on behalf of humanity and to take away our sins so that we can have relationship, fellowship with the Holy God again, so we could dwell in the bosom of the Father, so that we can know the heart of the Father you see this nature that he has. Remember when he, he stood over Jerusalem and he just began to weep. His heart began to, it's like the heart of God. Jesus began to express the heart of God for his lost people. And he just began to weep over them. And what did he say? What did he tell the disciples that were around him? He said, and he, I don't know if he proclaimed it over the city. If you've ever been to the Mount of Olives in Jerusalem, you can literally go up to this point and just kind of look down and and see the whole city it's a beautiful sight and i believe he was right up there at that point but needless to say he, he just wept and he said jerusalem jerusalem you who slew the prophets you killed the messengers that god sent to you and now they were about to kill his son his only son he said how many times did i want to gather you under my arms like a mother hen gathers his chicks, but you will not have it. You see, that was God speaking through him. That was God the Father's heart crying out for them. Through all the generations, through all of time, through all these thousands of years, he just looked at his people and all he wanted to do was hold them under his arms, right in his bosom, like a mother hen holds her chicks. You know, I had this bird nest. I had, I had, now I guess it's bird mating season, but I got these bushes in my front yard and these birds keep making these little nests and plopping eggs in there and having little babies. And I was showing my daughter and my son these little bird nests. It's so wonderful because you see life, you know, and the little eggs hatch and these little birds were in there, these three, three little birds. And we kind of watched them grow. But every day the mother would just come back and like, cover these little chicks under her bosom and just warm them and feed them and we would go near the nest and the mom would fly out scared you know and she would stand there just watching making sure we didn't hurt the little chicks and you could just see the love of a bird right for her baby chicks that that comes from the nature of god guys that bird was that little bird was ready to attack us you know if we tried to touch her little chicks can you imagine the love of god if that little bird can love her little chick so much, she's ready to give her life, attack a big human being to save those little chicks. How much more God? And that's the heart 
of the Father for us. And that's where we want to kind of pick up, right, where we left off. So I'm going to ask you to turn with me. Uh, there's a couple places we're going to read today. I'm, I'm just going to pick up where we left off. So I want you to turn to John chapter 3. Some of you probably know where I'm going. But then also go to Romans chapter 5 and just hold your, you know, put your bookmark or hold your place there. So I'll give you a second. John chapter 3. We're going to read a few verses. And then uh, Romans, sorry, Romans chapter 5. So before we read, let us pray one more time and join together in prayer. Because again, we're just walking, we're treading on a holy ground right now. And we just want to humble ourselves. We don't, we can never think that we know it all. We can never think we've arrived. Even Paul the Apostle, probably the greatest example of a Christian that ever lived on the face of the earth. He even said, and this was towards the end of his life in Philippians, he said, not that I've yet attained these things. He was talking about maturity in Christ and fullness of his faith. He's like, not even yet I've attained this yet, but the one thing I do is press on. I forget what is behind and I I press towards the goal. The goal is Christ, the higher calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus. He said, I've not even attained these things yet, but he kept pressing forward. So we're going to press into some things here. And we just want to pray and humble ourselves. So, Father, yeah, we just quiet ourselves before you right now. We humble ourselves. We ask you to speak to us now. We don't want, we don't, we definitely don't know it all, God. And we know we don't have it all together. We don't have it all figured out. We haven't grasped fully this love that's taken a hold of our hearts. Lord, but one thing we do is we want to know you more. Like Paul said, I I count everything as rubbish. This whole world just garbage, Father. Everything it has to offer. All the prestige and all the power and all the money, God, and all the treasures and pleasures. They're worth nothing, God, compared to knowing you. So, Lord, help us to know you. Open our eyes spiritually that we can see the light again. Open our hearts that we can feel and know your love deeper and know your your heart more intimately, God. Just like a relationship with a spouse, God, we cannot come closer unless you draw us in. And we can't come closer unless we want to draw near. So, Lord, Lord, your word commands us. You said to draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. So today we just humble our hearts. We humble ourselves before you, God, in a, in a posture of humility. We just say, Lord, have your way in our hearts and draw us closer. Draw us near to you. Because, Lord, 
Not only do we need you now more than ever, not only do we want you, but we, need, we, we just love you, God. We love you, God, and it's because you first loved us. And we want to experience your love and know your love. The height and the depth and the width and the breadth, like Paul said, to know the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. We pray in your precious name. Amen and amen. So last week I started with a couple of questions. Today I just have one question for you uh, to start with. I want to start by asking this question. Again, one of the most important questions of all history of all time that any human can ever ask. Why did Jesus Christ die on the cross? Why did Jesus Christ die on the cross? I want to hear, give me a couple of answers here if you're online watching. Think about it. Meditate on it. Anyone have any answers? Again, don't be ashamed. It's not about being right or wrong. Just what do you believe? What did Jesus die for on the cross? Amen. What a good, <laughs> what a great, that's a preacher right there. That's a preacher right there online. If you're watching, he, if you couldn't hear that, he basically said that in the Old Testament, the, the, sin, the sins in the Old Testament were covered over by animals, by lambs, but it was temporary. It wasn't fulfilled. Sin wasn't removed by that system of animal sacrifice. So Jesus came once for all of sin. To take away our sins and pay the price once for all. Eddie, you had one? Mm-hmm. Amen. The final redemption of man, he said. Anyone else? It's good, Eddie. That was good. Yes, brother. To bring us to God. To bring us back to God, which we talked about. Amen. Mm. To demonstrate his love. Brother Lewis just landed the plane. (laughs) So we know all these are some of the reasons that he died, right? But what, what I was asking in a sense is the reason or the motive, what drove him to the cross and Lewis just said it perfectly to demonstrate his love the motive what what Jesus what he died for was to save us what he died for was to take us away uh, take our sins away sorry what he died for was to redeem us but why why did he do it it was because of love you see Jesus said in John's gospel he said no one takes my life jesus said this right before he went to the cross he said no one takes my life but i lay it down willingly of my own accord what do you mean willingly like why did he want to die you understand what he's saying what what does god's will mean simply it means this it's what he wants it's what he wants god's will is what he wants it's what he desires 
So what, why did Jesus want to die? Why did Jesus want to give his life so willingly? It was to, yes, save humanity. Yes, redeem us. Yes, bring us back to God. But it was even deeper, I would say, than all those things. It was to display the very nature, the very essence, the very core of who God is. It was to display the heart of Abba. See, John 3, we're going to read here. Let's go to verse 14 through 16. But I want to read some context. But in 16, he says, For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world that he gave okay we know what he gave his only begotten son but it what motivated god to do this what moved god from heaven to earth jesus to leave his glorious throne and come to earth what 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 was his motive what was his driving force it was for god so loved for god so loved do you understand that's that's what made him do what he did. It was his nature. Verse 14, let's just read it in context. And remember who's speaking here. This is actually Jesus Christ. This isn't just a sermon about Jesus or someone else speaking for him. This is himself speaking to Nicodemus. Jesus said, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world. Say that with me, guys. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not, God did not, say that with me, God did not send his Son into the world to condemn it, but that the world might be saved through him. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. You see, God is love. He doesn't just love like us. He doesn't just and the word, the Greek, look, I'm not a scholar, guys. You guys know me. I'm not professing to be some theologian or scholar or try to help you dissect Greek and Hebrew and all that stuff. I do know this word, it means agape, though. And this word agape means this unconditional love. In the Greek language, they had different forms of love. They had a love like for a friend, you know, a brotherly type of love. They had a love for the spouse, like I think it was called eros love like the feelings you have for a erotic love when you fall in love with a woman maybe. They had other types of love that I won't go into all of them. But brotherly love, friendly love, spouse-like love, erotic love. But there was this word that they used called agape and it meant this unconditional, undeserved, unearned love. That's the love it's talking about here, this this love of God that he, he's not just showing it or displaying it or, or 
trying to love people that are unlovable. He is love. The Bible says God is love. He defines love. (laughs) He defines what true love is. If you have a definition book and you go to the definition of love, it equals God. God is love. You see, this world, this ever-changing, crazy, upside-down, backwards world here, trying to figure out what love is, go to the one who is love. His name is Jesus. Amen? He, he's the creator of life and the sustainer of life. And he's the giver of love because he is love. He's the source of love. We're looking for love in all the wrong places. This whole crazy LGBT world we live in with rainbows and colors flying everywhere. You think you're going to find love in that? Please let me tell you, you'll find eternal death. You'll find emptiness nothingness depression these groups of people are some of the most miserable depressed sick people on earth not just mentally i'm talking in every way because you're opening your door to all the lies of the devil not the truth of who god really is and why you were created this generation i'm just speaking to someone here but this generation is so lost when it comes to love and you see there's so many ways we can know God's heart or seek, you know, seek Him, draw near to Him. And fasting is a, is a good way to connect with God at a deeper level. Prayer, you know, we can pray all day long. One of the first things that happened to me when I got born again was I just immediately, by nature, it was not something I tried to do or people were telling me at church to do. It was just the Spirit of God landed on me. I became born again. I just began to pray. It was just this natural flow of, you know, when you're connected to God, you just want to fellowship, talk to Him, pray to Him. And prayer can connect you to God. You know, it's such a special gift we've been given, guys, to be able to pray. You know, you, you, you know one thing that's great about prayer, you can pray anytime, anywhere you are, and no one can stop you. You know that? doesn't matter where you are. doesn't matter what you're going through. You can pray. Amen? And that's why the Bible says pray always without ceasing because you can do it freely. No one can stop you. They can shut you up from preaching on the corner. They can throw you in jail and beat you like they did the apostles. They can't stop you from praying. They threw him in the prison. Stop preaching in this name. Stop preaching in the name of Jesus. Quit healing people. What's wrong with you? <laughs> you know, all the brokenness in the world. You'd think you'd want that, right? Quit doing these miracles in the name of Jesus and preaching in his name. They lock them up. But what do they start doing? They start praying to Jesus and praising his name. And what happens? The whole prison broke out, right? The shackles came off. The whole place shook. The angel came down. So you see, no one can stop you from connecting to God through prayer. Another way is the Word, the Word of God. We know the Word of God is breathed from God. It came out of God's breath. It came out of God's Spirit. All scriptures, God breathed and was given through the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, the divine Word of God. Different men through history, the Holy Spirit spoke to them. And they wrote it down. So the author was the Holy Spirit, not men. They just wrote down what God was saying. If Pastor Joe tells me, hey, I got a new book in my mind. I want to write it down. I want you to write it down. And he tells me everything, and I just write it down for him like his scribe. Who's the author of the book? Me or him? Him. Who's the source of where all the information came from? Pastor Joe. I'm just the guy who wrote down the notes. Amen? The same thing with the Word of God. It all was God-breathed. It all came from the Spirit. It all came from His bosom. It all came out of Him. 
and Jesus, we know, is the living word. This is uh, studying the scripture. It's such an important way. It's such an important and, and perfect way to know God and seek him. All these other ways we can know the Father. You know, fellowship with other believers. Connecting to all these uh, spiritual gifts He gives us. These are graces. You know, spiritual gifts are called charisma, grace gifts. When God pours out His grace on you, just like when I buy my child a gift, my son, he's so funny, he's very finished in his mind, you know. So every time I do something, like I'll get him a fish or something for his little fish tank, or I'll buy him a toy, he always wants to know why. So he's like, Daddy, why are you buying me that fish? Why are you buying me that fish? I'm like, just because I wanted to, son, because I love you. You see, the gifts of God are expressions of His grace. That's why they're called grace gifts, grace gifts. And see, churches who don't want these spiritual gifts, they don't experience the extra measures of God's love and mercy and grace. You know, they don't experience, I'm not saying they're not saved, because there are brothers in Christ, if they believe in Christ, amen, Christ alone, but the grace gifts, expressions of God's goodness, mercy, love. But there's no greater way, there's no better way to know the Father. You see, there's one place that I've found That is the greatest expression of himself. There's no greater revelation of himself, of his heart. And there's no better way and better place to look than the cross. You see, everything culminated in the cross. Everything that was in God that he wanted to display to humanity... He showed it all on the cross through what Jesus did on the cross. And see, today, that's what I want to land on. I want to land on the cross of Christ. I want to dig into the cross more because this is where God demonstrates His love. Let's go to Romans 5.8. So if you're holding your place in Romans, just turn with me. And I'm just going to look up here in my phone. I took a picture of different, just how different versions read it. But in Romans 5.8, this is the NIV. You may or may not like some of these translations. I don't care. I'm just reading different versions <laughs> to get a glimpse. But it says... God demonstrates His own love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The key word I want to notice is here is demonstrates. The New Living Translation says, but God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. The ESV. God shows His great love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died died for us and i love this one the bsb i don't even know what that means god proves his love for us in this that while we were still sinners christ died for us 
You see, for scarcely, I'm reading verse 7, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet for a good man, someone might even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us. And now while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved. How much more than being justified by his blood shall we be saved from wrath through him? For if when we were enemies of God, we were reconciled to him by the death of his son, how much more being reconciled now shall we be saved by his life? You see, the key word I want us to meditate on for one moment is demonstrated, displayed, showed. I looked up the definition for a couple definitions for demonstrate. One is to practically exhibit and explain something. You see, the cross was God's practical explanation of his love. That's what the cross was. It was the practical exhibit. A second definition, to clearly show the existence or truth of something by giving proof or evidence. Isn't that an interesting definition? To clearly show the existence or truth of something by giving proof or evidence. You see, the cross was and is God's evidence and existence of His existence, and it is the proof of His love. It is the proof of His love, guys. Amen? Of all the things, think of this, of all the things throughout all of humanity, of all the time and all the generations, of all the things that God chose to display Himself the most on, He chose this old, rugged, brutal cross. Have you ever thought of that for a moment? Why would God choose this? Why would God choose this instrument, this tool of death why would God do that of all the different ways he could have painted it in the sky he could have sent all the angels down he could have he does it all through all these different ways he expresses himself but the one thing he chose to exalt himself the most highly through was a cross you see when I speak about the cross I don't think we get it a lot of times because I'm not talking about the cross that's hanging on our church wall behind me. This nice, beautiful, decorate. Uh, as much as I love this one. And for us, it's the emblem of freedom and life. But I'm not talking about this cross here. I'm not talking about the one hanging around our necks, you know, the nice little crucifixes we wear, the pretty little art we, we make out of it, or the tattoo we have on our arm. You see, we've glor- we've we've made it so pretty and nice and soft. I'm not speaking about these crosses, guys. I'm talking about a cross that's old. I'm talking about an ancient cross. I'm talking about an ugly... You see, this cross was the most ugly and brutal, disgusting instrument of death that was ever known to mankind. You see, crosses were so horrific. They were so terrible They were so terrifying that no one who ever saw anyone hanging on a cross would ever make art out of it. They would never 
ever think about that cross as a pretty sight, as a, as a nice thing. They would never draw a picture of it. They would, it was so disgusting and brutal. They never wanted to commit the crime. That's why it was created, to cause terror and fear in people to not commit those acts. It was only about three, 400 years later, after crucifixion ceased to even be used as an instrument of death, that people kind of forgot what it really meant, what it really stood for and, and felt like, and then they began to make it a relic, a historic piece of art, a church tool, maybe, if you will, to, you know, whatever, cast out devils, hit them on the head with it. I don't know what they did with it. But you see, it only became art when people actually forgot how ugly it was. The Greeks and the early Romans, they reserved crucifixion. Do you understand that they didn't even, they didn't even uh, crucify Roman uh, citizens, guys? Romans were not even to be crucified. That's why Paul would make his appeals, you know, to Caesar. He was a Roman citizen. They only reserved crucifixion for rebels, runaway slaves, soldiers who deserted their, po their posts, and the worst form of criminals. They, they abhorred the thought of allowing a civilized person to hang on a cross. They, they abhorred it. It was terrible. One historian, he wrote this. And he was talking about like a normal civilian or a Roman citizen. He says, to bind a Roman citizen is a crime. To flog him is an abomination. To slay him is almost an act of murder. To crucify him is what? Such a horrible deed that there is no fitting word that can possibly describe it. You see, that's what the cross was, guys. And this is what Jesus, this is what Jesus took for us. Jesus took that for you and I. And you see, he didn't just die for the righteous. For scarcely, sometimes, men die for good men, right? He died for the ungodly, the Bible says in Romans. He died for his enemies. John said he didn't just die for our sins, the saints. Sorry to my Calvinist brothers, I love you. But he says, John says he died for our sins and the sins of the whole world. He died for everyone. For God so loved the world. Do you know when John was, or sorry, when Jesus was saying that to Nicodemus, he didn't get it. Their mind was that God chose Israel. God had a holy people, and then all the Gentiles were over here. They were like considered dogs. They were considered dirty. They were considered sinful. And then the Samaritans and all the sinners over here, but God's holy people here. God chose Jacob who became Israel, but he hated Esau. They had this mentality that God hated the world but loved them. Do you guys get it? And Nicodemus, he's the teacher of the law. He's the Jew of the Jews. And Jesus is standing there and he's telling them, God so loved the world, Nicodemus. And he's like, what are you talking about? You see, we quote this over and over. It's on our football games and on our plaques and on our walls, but this was revolutionary to Nicodemus. This was a revelation of love. What do you mean? He loves everything. He loves everyone. 
How could it be? It seems backwards. It seems un-Jewish. Everything he said was messing him up. Be born again. Enter the kingdom. Love of God. He couldn't get it. You see, Jesus Christ chose to love. He is love. But what did God have to prove? What, why did God... God didn't have to prove anything. God didn't have to do this for us. God didn't, He is who He is. Amen? He's the great I Am. He doesn't need to show us anything or tell us anything or do anything. But He's so good... He's so kind, He's so merciful, and He's so loving. It drove Him. Do you understand, guys? He didn't have to prove Himself to anyone. Love drove Him. You know what we call the road that Jesus chose to walk on? His death march. You ever been there in uh, Jerusalem? It's called the Via Dolorosa. Anyone ever been there? which means in our language, the way of suffering. He chose the way of suffering for you and I. He was called in Jeremiah the man of sorrows. He took the weight of sin, and he actually drank the cup of God's wrath. He drank the cup of God's wrath. You see, the Bible says in Romans also, Romans four fifteen, He that the law works wrath. Okay, the sin, sin, whoever sins, the Bible says in Romans 3, the wages of it is death. And when you sin against the law, it brings wrath against you. You see, sin brings death, and death is really described as wrath, separation from God. And this wrath, this cup, you know, we took communion this morning. I just, I think so many times we just miss things like we don't understand. And it's okay, like God is patient with us. And I'm always learning and we're all like Paul, just trying to learn and grow in grace. But do you understand the only reason you can drink the cup of the Lord is because he took the cup you deserved of wrath? The only reason we can drink His blood and eat the bread and have peace in our hearts and know our sins are forgiven is because He took God's wrath for you. You see, we don't deserve His love. We didn't do anything to receive His love. What All we did is, all we deserved is death and wrath. No one is righteous, no, not one. All have fallen short of God's glory. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. He who sins against the law brings wrath upon himself. But Jesus came, sinless, free, and he became a slave for us. He was betrayed by his own disciples his own beloved do you know he loved all of them even judas you know that he loved judas it actually says in john's gospel he says father i've loved all of them to the end 
minus Judas? No, he didn't say that. <laughs> he didn't say, I've loved them all, minus Judas. He said, I've loved them all till the end. And yet, this man, his own follower, his own disciple, sold him out for the redemption price of a slave. You know how much he made? 30 silver coins, the price of a slave. A king for a slave. But do you understand the picture? Do you understand the picture? Judas sold him out, but so did all of us. Judas sold out his Savior for sin, but so did all of us. Judas sold him for 30 coins, and Jesus became the slave for us. He sold him for the price of a slave, and Jesus became the slave for us. Remember when the the greatest picture of substitution, of God's substitutionary love and agape love, I believe is found in even in Barabbas, right before the, the cross, the trial came. And here's Barabbas. And they bring him out. And, and he's a murderer, guys. He's a murderer. He's a criminal. And it was the custom that they would release one person for the sake of the people. And then they bring out Jesus, the innocent, sinless Lamb of God. And they say, who do you want? Who do you want? And the people cried out for Barabbas. You know why? Barabbas is us. They cried out for him because that's who we are. We're so wicked. We're so lost. We're so sinful that we saw more value in Barabbas than Jesus. And, and imagine... Imagine Barabbas living after the cross and thinking, this man took that cross for me. I, I imagine he thought about it. I don't know if he got saved. I don't know what happened to Barabbas. It doesn't say in the Bible. But let me, let me read to you a little bit. Let me, this will help you. I, I've been reading this book. It's really good. I don't want to go into all that. I'm not promoting a book. But I'm going to talk to you a little more about the cross. Just to, just to describe what Jesus went through. It says this, and just get your thinking caps on. We're closing in on the end of service here, but I want to read this to you all. It says, while Romans did not invent crucifixion, they transformed the technique into a death art. An exactor mortis was schooled, that was the, the executioner, was schooled in the finer points of death. And he led a team of soldiers called the Quinternion. These are Greek words. Their sole task, though, was to make Roman execution such a terrifying spectacle. And their experience gave them ample opportunity to experiment with different methods. Josephus indicated that the soldiers would nail their victims in different positions, either for their own amusement or just out of rage or hatred. Over time, they learned how to avoid, or sorry, they learned how to add various elements to the procedure and adjust them to achieve more pain and the desired effect. They could expertly control the amount of suffering, the cause of death, and even when the victim would die. 
The victim typically endured a beating, which Jesus did before the cross, the, the flag flogging, before execution, and to the degree which he was beaten usually determined how long they would live on the cross. If the executioner wanted them to die quickly, he would scourge them with jagged bits of sheep bone braided into the tails. Just think of this, what God did for you. After the licking was completed, this cruel task, and the executioner uh, would then come and strip the prisoner naked and force him to carry the implement of death to his own demise and place of execution. They would hang a sign called a titulus around his neck or a title. It was nothing more than a crude board with the prisoner's name and the list of his crimes. That, that was what was supposed to be on Jesus' title. His name and the list of his crimes. Eventually, it would be attached to the cross above his head to let everyone know why he was hanging there and dying. During the final trial, Jesus was nearly thrashed to death. They sent him back to the praetorium, bleeding, bruised, trembling with shock. By the time Pilate handed him over to the executioner, Jesus would not have been able to carry his burden very far. He perhaps drug it for some distance, but the soldiers became impatient, and so they included a man named Simon of Cyrene to carry the cross with him and for him. See, the cross weighed, the full cross weighed around 250 pounds or more. There's no way even any man, you know, strong could have carried that. What they would put was the cross beam, just the beam on the person's shoulders, and they would carry that beam all the way to their death. After the beating, after the scourging, that was the cross beam of our sin, guys. That was the weight of our sin. To better understand the effects of crucifixion on the body, there was a doctor, I won't go into his name or background, but he made crucifixion the topic of his study for more than 50 years. He, he included all kind of uh, volunteers and observations and historical records. So he, he had subjects he even did tests on. And he found that, that crucifixion was the most extreme way of dying. And these experiments he did, he has some historical documents on it, but it would, it would be so difficult for the person. I'm just going to read a little piece of this to you. The nail driven through the palm of the hand close to the wrist, it would severely damage the median nerve of your arm and forearm. And within a couple hours, the victim would experience the affliction known as causalgia. The syndrome was commonly seen during the war, years after partial median nerve and other nerves were injured. The exquisite pain is described as unrelenting, peculiar burning, or a sensation that is so intense, even gentle Contacts like the touch of clothing would cause utter torture. Victims of this causalgia frequently go into shock if the pain is not controlled. See, a victim that's nailed to a cross, like someone tied in place, they had to also keep their body in motion constantly to relieve the pain of the arms and the chest and the legs. 
and that would only agitate these nerves, these wounds in his hands and his feet. Later, fatigue would set in. Breathing becomes difficult, requiring more effort. One bishop did an experience of what this must have been like for Jesus. He did a study, and he said right now at this point, his arms, he wrote this, was the picture of what he went through. Jesus' arms are now hanging in a V position. He became conscious of two unendurable circumstances. The first was that the pain in his wrist was beyond bearing, and the cramps and muscle knots in his forearms and upper arms and the padding of his shoulders was unbearable. The second was that his muscles and his pecs, his chest muscles at the side, were paralyzed. This induced him in an involuntary panic, and he found that while he could draw air into his lungs, he was powerless to even exhale. At once, Jesus would raise himself on his bleeding feet. He would push up with his feet as the weight of his body came down on the insteps. The single nail pressed hard against the top of the wound. Slowly, steadily, Jesus was, Jesus was forced to raise himself higher and higher for a moment until his head hit the sign which told of his crime. When his shoulders were on a level with his hands, so he would be hanging so low he would have to push up. So when his, so, his hands and his shoulders were lined up and he could breathe, he would then have to fight the pain in his feet, the tremendous pain, in order to breathe for a moment. Then unable to bear the pain below, which his cramped legs and thighs were, he would crumble back down into the V position. And his, this would happen over and over, repeated again and again and again. I said all that, and there was more, but I can't, I don't have time to dig into it all. That's just a little piece, just a little glimpse of the cross. And the reason I went into this is, what does this have to do with the heart of God? What does this have to do with everything, guys? This is, this is what God chose, you see, because if Jesus went through that, how could we ever question that God loves us? You see, this was the display. This was the proof and the evidence that God demonstrated His love for us. And while we were yet sinners, while we were unrighteous, while we were ungodly, He did all that and more for us. This isn't even talking about the suffering that He endured when He was separated from the Father. When He said, Father, You've forsaken me. Why? All those things he endured, guys, because that was the greatest expression. He chose that before time began, before the world was made, the lamb was slain, guys. The lamb was slain before the foundations of the world. And he did this. He chose this way to demonstrate and prove his love for us. No one can question, even the soldier that saw this man die in the way he did, in the manner he did, he said, surely this is the Son of God. No one can behold the cross that he died on and the suffering he went through and not understand that he loved us and not understand that God so loves the world. He hung naked and open in the air for all to see, the Jews and the Gentiles, the sinners and the saints, 
the ones who betrayed him and the ones who loved him. He died for every single one of us, guys. And he showed the heart of God right there. You know what he said on that cross? The first thing he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. What an act of love. What a display. And I painted this picture. I could have went into all this fancy preaching and, you know, Pentecostal noise. I wanted to paint the picture to you of what he went through because sometimes we don't get it 2,000 years later, right? What this cross looked like and meant. And guys, I, I just want to encourage you. Um, I don't know how, what we're going to pick up on next week, but I want to encourage you guys to dig into the cross. We're going to close in a moment in prayer. If you're watching online, a lot of people want to read a hundred books and seek all this information and knowledge and try to figure out who's God. Just look at Jesus and go back to the cross. You know what this country needs? We need more preaching of Christ and Him crucified. We need more of just the good old gospel. We need more of the good old rugged cross. You see, that is the best place. That's the deepest place you'll ever find in the heart of God. It's the, the pinnacle of all of history and humanity where Jesus hung up on the cross. He said, when I am lifted up, He told them, when I am lifted up and exalted, I will draw all men to Myself. He was talking about the cross. When I am exalted on that beam, that wood beam of suffering, and guys, I just want to encourage everyone who's listening to me to seek Jesus and dig into the cross. I was told in my, my missions training school, and then we're going to pray. This was like 10 years ago. I was doing a YWAM training school in Brazil. And, and this guy looked at me and he just said this. He said, you know, you've been given like a revelation of the cross, Brett. He said, you've been given a revelation of the cross. And because we were in a room with like 20 students. We were all sharing our hearts and doing something there and and I shared I shared something from the pulpit and he said you've been given a revelation of the cross and you know it meant a lot to me but I thought this every single Christian needs a revelation of the cross I should I'm not special I don't I, I'm not the only one we all need to know what the cross means and what it did for us amen what Jesus did for us on that cross that was the place where our sin was taken in His death, that's where our life was found, guys. In His crucifixion, in the ugly brutality and violence, that's where the love and the mercy of God was found. What a scandal. What a scandalous grace. What unconditional love. And it's unsearchable, guys. There's so many depths to it. And I just encourage you to go deeper in your walk with God by going in and seeking to understand this cross more. Amen? So let's pray, and then we're going to close. I know, Pastor Joe, we have a very important time here to um, discuss some very important matters. But we, we just talked about the most important matter in all of humanity, the death, the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and what that means. And so let's just pray, guys, together, and then we'll close. And Father, we just join together. We ask you, Lord, to let this message settle in our spirits. We want to know you more. 
But so many times we don't want to look at the reality of what that means. But Father, show us. Remove all the religious barriers. All the lies. All the comfortable Christianity that we believe in today, God. And show us the real Jesus. Show us the real cross, Lord. Because in it we find the real heart of God. In it we find the real love of God. And Lord, I just pray right now for everyone watching online and listening that Jesus will just touch them right now, Lord. Wherever they are, the love of Jesus, the love of God will just touch them right now, Lord. And show them this is your love, this is who you are. And for God, you so loved the world. There's no greater love than this. Help us to seek you with all of our hearts, because then we will find. You told Jeremiah the prophet, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Not plans to harm you, but to give you hope and a future. But then you also said right after that, but you will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. So Lord, my prayer is that we will begin to just search for you with all of our hearts. Then we will find. If we, if we seek, we will find. If we knock, the door will be open. And right now, Lord, we just knock on the door of your heart. We just want your heart to be open to our hearts. And we know it was, God. And we pray right now, your Holy Spirit, who you pour out in us, will just make this love so real, make this word so, so alive in us, that we will be a living example of it everywhere we go, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. I pray right now, if there's anyone who's not saved, I would... I would Assume, God, that someone's listening to this message that needs salvation or forgiveness. If anyone has sinned and they're a believer, I just pray right now your mercy just wash over them, God. Your blood right now, one drop of the blood will wash away every sin and stain and all your guilt and shame. And I pray right now the blood of Jesus just touches you. The hand of God will reach down from heaven and just cleanse you. And I thank you, Jesus, for the blood right now. Just wash sins away, Lord from my life, from our lives, from all of us, God. Cleanse your people. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. We give you all the glory. What great love. We just thank you for loving us, God. Calvary covers it all My sin and shame Don't count anymore Oh, praise to the one who has ransomed my soul. Calvary covers it all. Calvary covers it all. My sin and shame don't count anymore. Oh, praise to Amen. Lord, you certainly have saved us. And how you did it 
drinking every last drop, every last dreg, as the King James Version says, every last dreg of the wrath of God against sin. Jesus, we thank you. Father, we thank you. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We know you're one, and you all had your parts and read our redemption, and we thank you, Lord. I pray, Lord, right now that you would bring that word, truth of truth, to people's hearts that are, have, may have listened, and that they may tell people to tune into that broadcast of Pastor Brett and us, Lord, so that they can realize what you've done for them what you've done for us. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We love you with all of our heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That's what preaching is supposed to be about. Well, for everybody online, you know what? Tell your friends, relatives, neighbors to tune in to that broadcast. It's July 3rd, 2022. And listen to Pat, uh, Pastor Brett on that so they can know and see and understand what you have done for us. We thank you, Lord. To everybody online, we say goodbye, welcome. I mean, we love you.